You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got Kip Adams and Benjamin Volko with me, as always. And, fellas, we got a lot to cover. As hard as it is to believe, it's only been about a week, less than a week, since we recorded our last podcast. And... There's been so much happened. And, uh, I'll start with you, Ben. Can you believe it's been eight days since the national championship game? Someone said that this morning, and it I, it really took me aback. Well, I was just thinking about this this morning, too. How long has it been since Nick Saban retired? Because it feels like it's been like a year since Nick Saban retired with everything that's gone on in that amount of time. But I think it's been, what, six days, five Almost days? six days. Wow. Yeah, it hasn't even been a week yet, and it feels like uh, so much has happened. Yeah, Kip, I mean, it sounds like you're in agreement. This has just been a crazy start to an offseason where it was like, you know, all right, we might be able to kind of catch our breath, and it's been one thing after another. Yeah, I I think I uh, ended the last pod just talking about let's enjoy the uh, rare, uncomfortable feeling that Alabama fans, you know, just don't know what that's like for the greater part of two decades. And honestly, they've gotten off pretty easy so far. Uh, I mean, I I think that you you look at the fact that I think they have like seven or eight of their coaching staff positions uh, already filled. And I just I I just think that, you know, you could have stretched this out a little bit longer for for the rest of us. So I really don't like the fact that they hired someone who seems like he kind of had a plan for what he wanted his coaching staff to look like. We needed a little bit more chaos. But we we still have the transfer portal to to give us at least a little bit of uh you know entertainment so we can get our popcorn out and and watch uh, them go through what most college programs have gone through every couple of years. Well, guys, let's talk about the one guy that Alabama wanted to hire and ultimately did not. Georgia on Saturday hired former Alabama quarterbacks coach Traveris Robinson, better known as T. Rob, a guy that's been around the SEC for quite some time. He comes in as Georgia's new co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. In that move, Will Muschamp has uh, decided he is going to take an off-the-field defensive analyst role. He is not going to be on the on-field staff anymore after a few years uh, with Kirby Smart there in Athens. You know, it was funny. It happened Saturday morning. I'd actually just got to Stegman Coliseum for the basketball game. You know, write the story, 
Then you've got the hours and days after that where it's like Alabama says, hold on, you know, we're not done. We're going to try to bring T-Rob back, uh, lure him back to Tuscaloosa, get him to stay on Kalen DeBoer's staff. And then I believe that was on Monday uh, that, you know, it came out that T-Rob is, in fact, coming to Athens. So let's start there, Kip. One, how big of a hire is this getting uh, T-Rob to come to Georgia but then, two, that Kirby Smart and company were able to hold off a push from the board to bring him back and uh, to have him on his staff in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, bringing in the the Falcons legend. Uh, shout out to T-Rob. Uh, know that he uh, was able to, to make a couple plays in the uh, five or six games he played with the Falcons back in the day. That was uh that was, that was big for me. If I'm trying to bring in, uh, you know, a DB coach, I want someone who's, uh, you know, had a couple pass breakups to the Falcons. That That's dear to my heart. But for Georgia, I think, I mean, there aren't many recruiters, if, if any, uh, on defense who are more elite uh, in the, the recruiting game than T-Rob. I mean, he's 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 known for that. He's He's been an elite recruiter from day one at, at every stop. He's he's brought in big-time talent. Um, I remember Keanu Neal being a big-time pickup for him. Um, obviously, uh, you, you want to have a guy like that in your staff, if if only for the, you know, the South Florida ties, guys like Treon Harris, um, you know, uh, Vernon Hargraves. I mean, he, he recruited at an elite level his entire career as a DB coach. He's also known as one of the overall best secondary coaches in the game as well. He's kind of the complete package in that area. And honestly, uh, for Georgia to be able to to keep him with Alabama offering, you know, a full defensive coordinator position, it just kind of shows you where both programs are right now. I, I think that T-Rob saw Kirby Smart, the familiarity there with that defense, with the coaching staff, knowing that he'll still have Will Muschamp there to work as an analyst, which is huge. Um, I, I think that's one of the biggest offseason wins possible for Georgia. And I just think you look at that staff from top to bottom now, and, you, and you've always, you know, Georgia's never had a problem recruiting, but now you look and go, like, is this the strongest recruiting staff Kirby Smart's had, especially on defense? I, I just think that you, you look at having him and Dante Williams uh, – you know, coaching and recruiting DBs, it's like I think Georgia's going to be able to even from a greater perspective be able to pick who they want uh, in the secondary moving forward, and and that's the position like, I mean, they've recruited at such an elite level. Uh, how can they get any better? But I still think for individual recruiting battles, that's huge. And then also, like I said, I don't think Georgia's really had a huge South Florida presence on the coaching staff since maybe James Coley was there. And so I just think that gives them, when you're talking regional uh, connections, uh, I think that just gives them a, a guy who can go in there into the high schools, into you know Miami Northwestern, Booker T. Washington schools in Miami. That's the, the most loaded county you know, in the country as far as recruiting talent and, and have a guy that every high school coach down there knows and respects. Ben, what about you? What do you make of Georgia being able to add T-Rob and just really what this is going to do as far as boosting their recruiting ability? Well, Kip's last point there was going to be one of my first as well. The Miami connection can't be undersold. I think that, I speak for most people that cover recruiting, you're going to find better talent in South Florida than just about anywhere in, in the country. I mean, the more you load up on South Florida, the more talented your football program is going to be. It's pretty sim pretty simple equation. And 
James Coley was probably the last person that Georgia had on staff that really made South Florida a hotbed for Georgia. Georgia still had success success in South Florida, make no mistake. But I think that they were probably winning a higher percentage of those battles when James Coley was on the staff than they are now. And I think getting Travaris Robinson on staff is certainly going to do that. I think that goes a long way. There's obviously rivalry implications with Alabama that I think play into effect here too, knowing that not only are you adding someone to your staff that adds a lot of value, makes you one of the best, if not recruiting staffs that you've had under Kirby Smart. It also takes away from a program that has won a lot of those battles against you over the years too. And so Kirby Smart, knowing the SEC footprint, knowing how important T-Rob is to you know, college football is it made it someone when, and you know, I don't know the timing from when his conversations with Travis Robinson really began, but when Nick Saban was no longer going to be at Alabama, it made it a really easy option for Georgia to add to their staff, beef them up from a recruiting standpoint. That's already, you're already going to see the effects of Travis Robinson and Kirby Smart and Dante Williams recruiting these defensive backs. I mean, it's going to happen quickly because, you know, both of these guys that Kirby Smart just hired were entrenched with top level defensive backs. He's not he wasn't hiring someone that's going to need to start building relationships with the 2025 and 2026 class. He hired two guys that were recruiting to Southern Cal and Alabama that are now going to be recruiting to Georgia. They're very familiar with both of those guys. I mean, there's very few defensive backs that I've spoken to since adding either of those guys, Dante Williams or Travis Robinson, that haven't said, oh, yeah, I already had an existing relationship with him because of where he was previously at. And I think it was a really savvy hire by Kirby Smart. It was a really good timing hire by Kirby Smart. And then to win out, you know, you know, there will be some – bragging rights there from a Georgia fan perspective. I'm sure that you were able to retain Travis Robinson when it looked at times over the last 48 hours or so that he might've gone back and taken an Alabama defensive coordinator position. So big win on multiple fronts for Georgia. And I think something that sets them up really nicely in this 2025 recruiting class. Definitely a huge addition. I do want to talk a little bit about Will Muschamp. Let's make sure and talk about that piece of the news, him stepping back. Uh, he's got a son that's getting ready to play football at Vanderbilt as a quarterback. You know, I think it makes sense as far as the timing for Will to take a step back. Obviously, he's been doing this a long time, and he and T-Rob are super close, coached together at Florida and South Carolina. Um, so it kind of, to me, felt like something of a passing of the torch with Will deciding to to take that step back. And, um, you know, I think Will is a tremendous coach, but if you are going to lose him to get T-Rob to fill his place is huge. Uh, Kip, what do you think of the Will Muschamp piece of this, him deciding to take a step back, uh, him deciding he's not going to be an on-the-field coach, at least in 2024? Yeah, I mean, we've seen this recently with Matt Luke as well, and I think coaches, uh, you know, that have been around as long as Will Muschamp, this era is it takes a little bit more of your time. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the, the short of it right there is that he probably realized – Hey, I've got, you know, uh, my son at Georgia, I've got, uh, you know, son at Vanderbilt. I, I'd actually like to spend some time with them before they go out in the world and then complete, you know, having their own, uh, adult life. And I, I think you, you look at it now and he probably thought a decade ago that that wouldn't be a problem, but here we are in January and you're having to work your tail off to retain your entire roster. And so I, I just think that, 
with it being a full calendar of nonstop work, he, he was looking ahead and thinking, you know, I'm not really going to be able to do that if I've got to be out in the road, but also, you know, be back here with all of these players throughout the year, making sure that, you know, I'm helping Kirby Smart keep the, the most talented roster in college football. So I just think as far as roster retention is concerned, it being, a you know, an extra full-time job in addition to the coaching position, uh, Will Muschamp thought I could best help out this program by, you know, still giving them my expertise in the area that I'm best at, while also allowing the guys who are now young and re elite recruiters to go out and, and make sure that the guys, uh, you know, in the future classes have that connection with those assistant coaches. So, I mean, it made sense, and it's kind of the best of both worlds for Kirby Smart. He still gets that pair of eyes on his defense every day in practice and now has brought in, I mean, probably the top two DB recruiters in the country. So I, I think for Georgia, it's a win-win. And for Will Muschamp, it's a win-win. I don't think, uh, you know, I think he's still getting, is still getting paid by South Carolina. So uh, I, th I think he's going to be okay on that end as well. So I don't think really anyone loses and his family as well. They get extra time with, with Will. And so uh, everyone wins. Ben, any thoughts on the Muschamp piece of this? Well, I, for starters, congratulations to Will Muschamp on not having to live the full-time on-field staff calendar that he's probably been living on, not, you know, as much as he'd wanted to over the last two years. Um, again, like Kip said, good family time for him, opportunity to take an off-field role. I do think Kirby Smart, and this is purely my opinion on this, this isn't based on me knowing anything in terms of how he makes his hires, but just I, I think that he thinks ahead when he hires guys a lot of times. And I, I think with both the Travars Robinson hire, it's looking ahead to what might happen in future off seasons with Glenn Schumann. That's a growing and growing popular name as a potential head coach somewhere. And then I think with Will Muschamp, and we've seen it around early December multiple times now in the Kirby smart era, someone gets hired to go be a head coach somewhere else early in December. And that takes some on field staff time away from being on the road, doing in-home recruiting visits. I mean, again, I don't know for certain that Will Muschamp would be that on or, you know, on field representative going out for in-home visits. Should there be a staff member that leaves next December, but you don't have many better closers in college football than Will Muschamp. So it sets you up pretty nicely to be able to plug and play someone like Muschamp for a month next December, should a a la Fran Brown leave to go to Syracuse and you have to send some other folks out on the road. I mean, Georgia's got a great staff in place. We've already seen it. They sent David Cooper, their director of recruiting out on the road earlier this year in that role. And then right now with Stacey Searles not going out on the road, they have an assistant offensive line coach, Man Ray Moore going out and doing home uh, school visits and things like of that nature. So they have a great staff in place to be able to do it, but having another one like Will Muschamp to plug and play should you need it, I definitely think is something that factors into Kirby Smart's thought process of giving an analyst role to Muschamp, knowing that he might not be, you know, as invested into that analyst role as some of the younger, hungrier analysts that he might bring in in that similar spot. Let's talk about the potential dominoes that could fall with T-Rob coming to Georgia. Now, we already saw one Friday night. Former four-star Jake Pope is transferring from Alabama to Georgia. Georgia getting some help at safety. A little bit of depth there with Jake Pope coming over. But the one that everyone wants to talk about, if you go look through the comments, guys, Caleb Downs. Everybody is intrigued what he's going to do. 
did want to shout out and, and read this tweet from ESPN's Tom Van Haren uh, from Monday about Caleb Downs. Uh, his tweet was that I was told that Alabama freshman Caleb Downs hasn't made a decision on his future yet, if he'll stay or if he'll transfer. He'd like to see who's added to the Alabama defensive staff, but very likely could make a decision either way tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Uh, T-Rob staying at Georgia does factor in. So now everybody's sort of watching. I want to make sure and tell people who are listening to this after the fact, we're recording this at about 1220 on Tuesday. So something could change uh, by the time you're listening to this. But, you know, Caleb Downs is a guy Georgia wanted really badly and missed out on. And I went back and was reading through when he committed to Alabama, his top two recruiters on the staff. One, Charles Kelly, who's now at Auburn, and two, Traveris Robinson, who is now at Georgia. Um, so I'll start with you, Kip. I mean, what do you make of this situation with Caleb Downs? And if he goes in the portal, you know, it's no guarantee that he would come to Georgia, uh, but you would have to think the Bulldogs would be pushing really hard to get him to come to Athens. Yeah, I mean, if it happens, I mean, Georgia's obviously going to be on line one, if not line two, along with Ohio State. Those are the schools that finished as the runner-ups in his recruitment to begin with. Um, as of right now, if he's making a decision Let's just say today, as we record this podcast, uh, I I find it difficult for him to stick at Alabama. It would be impressive for him to do that. It would really tell you a lot about him buying into what Kalen DeBoer is telling him because as of right now, I don't believe that Alabama has a DB coach uh, for the secondary. So he would uh, he would have to just go in there basically blind, knowing that it could be any style. It could be uh, someone he's has zero connection with. Um, so I honestly think as of right now, until they hire someone and meet with him, that I would think Caleb Downs would enter the portal just because you have that ability. You can still go right back to Alabama if you want to. So if he's trying to make a decision on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, then I, it's it's a time-based thing. It's a, I want to go ahead and reset and, and see, you know, who I have the best connection with, what's the best situation for me. And, I mean, Kalen DeBoer might not be on that same timeline. I know that he's one of, if not their most important player to try and secure on the roster right now. But if you're still doing interviews for the position, you can't make a recruit-based decision on, on your coach. You know, it's a little bit bigger than that. So, you know, they both have to make the best decisions uh, for themselves. And, and I think as of right now, without a DB coach, I would say that Caleb Downs probably is looking towards the portal. That's why we have this report that a decision might be coming, because if there's no timeline on a decision, then there's no decision that needs to be made. You know, you don't have to make a decision if you're already staying at Alabama. Kip hit on the biggest thing for me is that just if he goes in the portal does not mean he might not in the end wind up going to Alabama. And, you know, I know a lot of Georgia fans are excited if he goes in the portal, but people are going to be pushing hard for Caleb Downs. He won the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award for a reason. It is not going to be a, you know, lock it up, done deal. He's going to Georgia, but they're going to push hard for him. Uh, ben, what do you make of the Caleb Downs situation and uh, what we might wind up seeing in these next few days? Well, I understand why he's the the name that everybody keeps gravitating toward, wondering what he's going to do in this situation because he's probably the best football player in Tuscaloosa right now. And I think that if he were to be in the transfer portal and on the market, he would be the most coveted player to have entered the transfer portal from anywhere across college football this 
transfer portal cycle. So I, I get why he is. He hasn't entered the transfer portal as of us recording this. Um, I think that what how how far are we removed from Tom Tom's report that he was going to be potentially uh, considering it? That was three forty five on Monday, so a little bit less than a day since that tweet. So I mean. It, it's hard for me to know from a timeline standpoint when he feels like it would be right to make the move. I mean, I know with classes and things like that and enrollment, it gets tricky in some respects, but he does technically still have, you know, 24 days left before he would have to enter his name into the portal. So I'm sure that he's able to go through a really calculated decision over the next, however many weeks he feels like he has. I'm sure he's based on like what Kip said, he's wired in a way that I feel like he's going to give Alabama a shot here. He's not going to just write Alabama off. I think that he went to Alabama for a reason, and it was more than just specifically Nick Saban, though I think that played a big role in it, obviously. Um, but I think that he'll you know, be very calculated in his approach in terms of how he makes this decision over the next couple of weeks. And I assume that if he were to enter the portal, it will be after he's given Alabama – you know, a shot to, you know, figure, figure it all out. And I think getting a defensive backs coach in place that he can have a conversation with and build a relationship and understand what he could expect from staying at Alabama is going to be a really big piece of him entering the transfer portal and not. So it wouldn't surprise me if the next time we were having this conversation or doing this podcast that we're talking about where he ended up or the fact that he ended up staying. I mean, but if it drags on a little bit further than that, it wouldn't shock me too much either. It'll be something we will update you guys over at dogs247.com. And I will say this, you know, you've had people in the last few days since that sort of been out there. Well, how is Georgia going to make it work with the roster? Kirby Smart will find a way. Just don't worry about the numbers. They will make it work. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, from a personnel standpoint, if you can have Malachi Starks and Caleb Downs as your safeties, you've got – I mean, I would, I'd would. i love to know if Kirby Smart would feel like he's ever had a better college back, defensive backfield than that. And I would add just overall for the roster, uh, at this point last year, Georgia had uh, either four or five players into the portal after this time last year. So as of right now for the, you know, the, those of you who read the scholarship tracker that I put out uh, yesterday, I have Georgia at, I believe, um, 89 on scholarship technically, but I think you're going to have a couple of those guys being uh, delayed scholarships for all intents and purposes. They're at 87 right now. They're still going after other guys in the portal. You know, just had a, a tight end on campus uh, from Stanford. Uh, still going to look for for a defensive lineman, edge guy if they can. So the fact that Georgia is still actively pursuing guys in the portal and and still looking to host five star athlete Terry uh, Bussey for uh, sometime this month. The date uh, still hasn't been set up, I believe shows you that the, the roster isn't locked in. There's still going to be more attrition, and you don't have to be at 85 till fall camp. That's a long time from now. So I, I don't think we have to worry about the scholarship numbers at Georgia right now. I, Caleb Downs knows the, the second he enters the portal, he's got a place at Georgia if he wants it. And I also don't want to shrug off the Caleb Downs chatter because I understand uh, Alabama people coming to Georgia, especially with Travaris Robinson, is a hot topic. But, I mean, Jake Pope is a safety who came from Alabama to Georgia and will be on Georgia's roster next season, and he's going to be enrolled here this week. So we know that already. And so the fact that Georgia made that move already tells you probably a little bit about 
you know, the fact they do do want to grow that position group. That's a position group we've talked a little bit about. It felt like they, the fact they were bringing certain guys on campus that they wanted to grow it more than it was there. Jake Pope is someone that will be at Georgia. And so I don't want to get lost in the a potential Alabama transfer that might end up at Georgia in the future, get lost in the fact that there is an Alabama safety that has transferred to Georgia already. Two Buford Wolves in one offseason. Can you believe it, guys? Mm. I mean, the safeties at, at Buford High School just broke the Buford curse, what, in 20 days, a 20-day span? Impressive. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about what was a very big recruiting weekend for the Bulldogs, as well as some other recruiting news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. As we talked about last week, it was going to be a very big recruiting weekend for the Bulldogs. Had a lot of a very intriguing people come on campus. Uh, ben, you got to be in Stegman Coliseum along with me and, and got a chance to see who was checking out uh, Athens, who uh, was scoping out things as they make their college decisions. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways on what you heard and saw uh, from this past weekend as the Bulldogs had some very important recruits on campus? Yeah, well, not to scoop the basketball minute, but great, fun basketball game to be at for the record. I love the shift of the student section down to midcourt. Not sure whose idea that was. You probably have you probably know who did that, Jordan, but whoever whoever's decision that was, brilliant move. Makes Stegman Coliseum a much more college basketball feeling environment. Uh, from a football recruiting perspective, like you said, the the best in-state football players were in Georgia. Or we're, we're at Georgia this weekend, pretty much. I mean, you look at Zayden Walker, the best linebacker in the country from Ellaville, Georgia. He was at Georgia. Elijah Griffin, best defensive lineman in the country from Savannah, Georgia. He's at Georgia. You've got guys that are committed, obviously, Justice Terry, Bo Walker, uh, Ellis Williams, which was a big one getting the tight end from South South Georgia. He hasn't made a ton of visits to Georgia over the last year. Getting him back on campus, spending time with Kirby Smart, with Todd Hartley, it's going to go a really, really long way but 
you just look across the board, names that we haven't talked a ton about throughout their recruitments, like Zayden Walker, Elijah Griffin, folks are pretty familiar with them at this point because they have been the best players in the state of Georgia for a really long time. But you look you know, now, Cortez Smith, an offensive lineman from Parkview. We have Alabama defensive or offensive line decommit as of this morning that we're recording this podcast, uh, Mason Short. He's someone that's been visiting Georgia for a while, really tied closely to Georgia, one of the best players in this the state of Georgia. Tavion Wallace from South Georgia, a linebacker that Glenn Schumann really, really likes. So there was so much in-state talent at Georgia this weekend, and that was by design. I think they wanted to have a close-off-the-borders-of-Georgia kind of weekend in Athens. Now, there were some out-of-state guys that ended up coming in town. Jared Smith, the top edge rusher in the country from the state of Alabama, um, you know, I'm sure Kip has a few names that I'm trying to rattle off as many as I can right now. Um, but there, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys from the state of Georgia that I think Georgia feels are really important to keep in state. I mean, I asked about, I asked Kirby on signing day about out of state versus in state. Cause he came into his press conference and kind of called out, you know, got some of the top guys from out of state or from their various States. And I just found it interesting one that he doesn't normally call t- those types of things out, but it felt like it was a year that they felt the need to go out of the state of Georgia. And as he pointed out in his ants in his response, it's, you go out of state when you feel like you have to, maybe the state's lacking in X, Y, and Z area, this cycle, but ABC area next cycle, you never know what it's going to be, but I think this cycle is one of the rare ones where Georgia feels it can really build the top class in the country from within its own borders. And they're certainly going to start there. I'm sure over the next few weeks and months, they're going to figure out who they have the best chance to land within that group. And then they'll sort of start to stretch outside of the state of Georgia borders. But I think this weekend was really a good opportunity for if you're one of the guys that they really like inside the state of Georgia, you were probably invited to Athens for junior day. Kip, uh, what did you make of this group and particularly uh, ben had mentioned that Mason Short had decommitted. Someone else who was on hand, Chris Ewald Jr., who was committed to Michigan, also decommitted. Uh, how big that is that coming off a trip to Athens, two of those guys decided to reopen their recruitments? Well, I'm going to start with Mason Short just because I, I think he might be the, the top in tier offensive lineman on Georgia's board. He's a guy that Georgia's been in on f- for a very long time. Um, a guy that's pushing six, six, he's 305 pounds. I think Stacy Searles, I mean, he plugged that guy in at either guard position and, and be extremely happy knowing that he could also, I mean, play offensive tackle. If he needs him to, those guys are invaluable. And he's one of the most talented offensive linemen, regardless of position in the country. Uh, I love where Georgia is with him. And then just staying there. I mean, Cortez Smith, probably the top center target on, on Georgia's board. Uh, those are two major targets. You, you love the fact that they're in state. Georgia's made both a priority for a long time. If you're able to, you know, close the deal on those guys in the near future, I mean, that, that that's huge uh, for Georgia's offensive line class. And I just think you, you look at both of the defense, uh, the decommitments coming off of a Georgia visit, you know, you, you like you like hearing that. And then when you know that Kirby Smart's going to Mason Short's school the day that he decommitted, I mean, that's the nice little nugget, just knowing that he's going to see you immediately. Probably, ha- you know, maybe that had something to do with it, just knowing that Georgia's got momentum there. Chris Ewald, again, out-of-state uh, cornerback, uh, South Florida. Um, so a guy that's six foot, 165 pounds. I-, I think Georgia got to see him up close and, 
uh, he's probably going to be one of the more coveted cornerbacks in this class just because of that size. And, and again, the fact that he, he has all the qualities you look for in a cornerback. I mean, there are a lot of other out-of-state guys, Anquan Fagans from Thompson and Alabaster. I mean, that's a tough area for the recruit. But, right, I mean, this is that scenario where you're able to get in there and, you know, guys like Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann have – state of Alabama connections as well as anyone right now uh, just with the turnover at Alabama. So you get a guy like Anquan in, a guy that's, uh, you know, a top five safety in the country. Uh, that was huge for Georgia. I, I think you, you look across the board, Travis Smith, the wide receiver I brought up on the mm -hmm. podcast, I thought should be a huge priority for Georgia. Uh, I think the weekend went really well with him. Georgia's continued to make him a priority throughout his recruitment. And I think that's one that's trending Georgia's way. So, I mean, I know that, you know, hearing that an elite wide receiver prospect might have Georgia in the lead might, you know, sound as hearsay to some Georgia fans, but I, I think Georgia's recruiting that position really well this cycle. I think they're, you know, in a really good spot with him. And I, I think you look at cornerback Kobe Sellers out of Texas, another guy that was in town. I think getting him on campus, hang, hanging out with Dante Williams probably got Georgia some momentum there. Alvin Henderson, the running back from Alabama, also in town. Again, like, I, uh, like you said, a lot of out-of-state guys were on campus as well. It's not easy getting these guys on campus when, you know, you only have limited weekends. We're about to have a, you know, a dead period coming up in, in February, I believe. So every weekend's important. So I really think that this, this was huge. We talked about this being just kind of a different junior day compared to the last two years. And I think the Georgia coaches let all these recruits know that, hey, I mean, obviously we're not going anywhere. And if anything, we're as strong as ever. So, the, you know, there's a lot of reasons to come to Georgia right now. And I think that this recruiting class is, is really set uh, to take off right now with a lot of these guys. I think the next couple of months are, are going to be huge for Georgia. Um, and, and I think that there's very few positions, uh, if any, that I think Georgia is going to be hurting at in this class. Uh, and I, I think you, you kind of look at that edge position. And that was one where, again, they got uh, defensive end Bryce Davis from North Carolina in. Um, you got Christian Garrett on campus as well. You got some defensive linemen in. So I, I just think from top to bottom, they got every position group on campus. They spent time with their position coaches. And there's just a lot of momentum right now, I think, you know, you start to wait until sp the spring practice starts. That's when you're going to try to get to a lot of these guys back on campus, setting up for that for that battle for G Day. I mean, obviously, all these uh, recruits can only go to one, maybe two spring games in April, and so you're you're kind of setting that up. You're going to see them. You're getting them on campus now. You're telling them to come back and see practice, and you're you're wanting to get them back on campus so they can kind of see what this team is going to look like moving forward. One thing you called out there, Kip, too, that I think is really interesting is all the guys from Alabama that you started to name off, too. And one name that we also didn't mention was the is running back Alvin Henderson, or you might have you might have mentioned it, Kip, and I missed it. But I find it really interesting. You you write about Alvin Henderson or Jared Smith or Zion Grady a week ago, and I think the sentiment around it is what we hear all the time is, oh, he's a guy from the state of Alabama. Good luck. You're probably not going to get him. I think that shifted a little bit over the last week. And I think that the feeling that, like you mentioned, Kip, Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, they have relationships in the state of Alabama that a lot of the Alabama staff are no longer going to have. I think that's going to matter more in the 2025 class than we probably think. I think it's probably why it was a savvy hire 
for DeBoer to hire the South Alabama coach as a, as a coordinator because it does build some relationships that were at the highest level of, you know, the group of five. So I think it's it's a good opportunity for them to build some relationships there. But I think Georgia's got a chance to maybe have some more success in that state than they've had in years past. Let's talk about another 2025 recruit or one that just became a 2025 recruit on Tuesday. Carrollton High School quarterback Julian Juju Lewis announced uh, what has been in the works for quite some time, that he is reclassifying. He will be part of the 2025 class, formerly in that 2026 class, uh, a guy that had looked at USC, a guy that is very highly coveted among the quarterbacks in now next year's recruiting class. Uh, ben, what can you tell us about this recruitment and uh, where things stack up at this point uh, for Georgia when it comes to the very talented Carrollton quarterback? This was probably the worst kept secret in high school football recruiting over the last year. So, I mean, I think that Julian Lewis has been one of the best quarterbacks in all of high school football since his freshman year at Carrollton. And you don't see that very often that a guy is almost universally thought to be one of the best players in the country as a freshman. He proved it throughout the course of his freshman season. I think that hype, you know, earned its way there going into his sophomore year, he earned Gatorade player of the year in the state of Georgia. And we know all of the very talented football players that could have been Gatorade state of the state Gatorade player of the year in the state of Georgia this season. The fact that they gave it to a sophomore tells you a lot about the caliber of quarterback that Julian Lewis is. So I think that him reclassifying to the 2025 cycle is not surprising. And I know we've already gotten some questions at the junkyard over at dogs, 24 seven subscribe. Um, is that some, some folks have said, you know, why do people do this? It feels like this never works out for folks. I really do think that Julian Lewis is a unique case here. And there have been examples both ways, positive and negative with folks reclassifying. He's, there are, and I put this note on the board, there are college staffs that have said to Julian Lewis, they would be willing to take him as a 2024 quarterback. So that's how much they value the type of football player that he already is. So him being a 2025 quarterback, I would assume he'll be the number one quarterback in 2025. I would assume he'll probably be the number one overall player in 2025. I say that with no knowledge from our rankings committee. That's just my feeling about the type of football player that Julian Lewis is. Now, as of this recording, he's committed to Southern Cal. He is going to be open to several other schools. Georgia's not going to be the only other school that he's going to give a look to by any means, but he took multiple game visits to Georgia throughout this year. I think seeing what the offense was able to do, you know, Carson Beck having the amount of success that he had in year one as a starting quarterback showed him a lot. I think he'll be watching Georgia very closely over the next, you know, couple of months. But my guess is before Georgia plays its next game, he's probably decided where his home is going to be because I would assume he wants to go in to this football season, being able to lead a recruiting class together. So he's going to take visits throughout this spring, you know, him being in the 2025 class also changes some of the rules in terms of coaches being able to communicate with him in certain ways. And when they can see him, I think that's a big thing for him this spring, being able to approach these junior days, being able to approach spring visits and then ultimately official visits like a 2025 recruit is really important for him to be able to take it all in and decide, does he want to stick with Southern Cal or does he you know, go somewhere else, potentially Georgia? I will note, and I'm not saying I haven't spoken with him whether about whether this was about that or not. When the Georgia USC Jaden Maiava saga was going on, he did tweet an eyeballs emoji 
and popcorn. So it, I my read into it is that he was watching closely what was going on with the Georgia and Southern Cal quarterback rooms and what was happening with those position groups in the future. Um, you know, I can't confirm whether or not that's something that he was actually doing, but that was my read on it. Kip, uh, what do you make of the situation with Juju Lewis? I mean, there's no other position where it's more, you know, numbers mean more than, than at the quarterback position. So you look, I mean, from the moment Dylan Raiola, you know, flipped his commitment to Nebraska, the calculus changed for where how Georgia looked for 2025 quarterbacks and their their own plans. I mean, you bring in two quarterbacks in a class, you can't be expected to go out there and land an elite quarterback in the next class. I mean, it's again, there might be guys with that mentality. There's, I'm sure there's some guys out there who would say, you know, I get the chance to play for a program like Georgia, I'm going to take it anyway. But most of the top guys are still going to want that, you know, clear opportunity to come in and compete for snaps. And so now, not just with, you know, Raula, but obviously, yeah, I mean, you you have a guy that you, you think is committed um, and, and Jalen Alva. And then, you know, now that he's he's not going to Georgia, the, the path is clear. I mean, they only brought in Ryan Puglisi, one quarterback, and you're you're going to have a clear shot with him and Gunnar Stockton. Uh, that you know, there's there's a, a chance there. So I think it, obviously the calculus changes with Georgia, and I mean they had him on campus multiple times uh, in the fall. So this is a complete reset on his recruitment, in my opinion. Sure, committed to USC, but I, I still think again, like with most recruiting, he hasn't signed. And so I think Georgia, I also think Alabama is going to be a school to watch. You have to remember that, you know, he's got a teammate who's about to go and play for Alabama in college, you know, and Caleb Odom, his center uh, is, is also committed to Alabama. So there's a connection there as well. He's going to watch and see how they do it. The quarterback position, obviously, Kalen DeBoer just had a quarterback have a pretty solid season. So he's going to watch that. And I, I just think that right now, Georgia's got momentum with him. And they've given them a lot to think about right now. And their job now for Mike Bobo and that coaching staff is to continue to do that. So, um, yeah, we're, we're right back into a five-star uh, quarterback recruit, recruitment, you know, coming off of one in the last cycle that, you know, had, had more twists and turns than, than any of us could have thought. So, you know, I, I think it's it's got to be, you know, great news for Georgia. They already know him and the family very well, and they're just going to continue to get him on campus. I do want to point out the the Anthony White comment on on Caleb um, as far as you know his brother Josh Downs is concerned. I mean Alabama didn't offer Caleb Downs his brother either. Josh Downs that's that's not a factor. It's not going to be a factor with that family. There are no grudges to Georgia uh, between you know the Downs family and Georgia. I know that Bennett addressed that on the board the other day, but I just I want to go ahead and, and for all of our listeners seeing that comment and thinking that Caleb is going to not consider Georgia heavily because of his brother's recruitment. It's a completely separate thing. Uh, you know, they know the Georgia coaching staff very well. They have a great relationship with them and in the state of Georgia as well. So I, I just think that, again, with Caleb Downs, Georgia's got a great shot if he enters the portal. And, and now with Julian Lewis, Georgia's got a great shot as well. And so I think, again, uh, stock up for, for Georgia's chances uh, with, with Juju Lewis. And if Caleb Downs is available, stock up for Georgia with him as well. Georgia men's basketball minute before we get out of here. 85-79 to 79 loss to Tennessee on Saturday. Really disappointing end to that game. Georgia had a double-digit lead with seven, six minutes left in the ball game, And then Dalton Connect and the Volunteers came roaring back. 
Uh, as Ben mentioned, a very fun atmosphere, a fun game to be in Stegman Coliseum for. Very disappointing in Georgia had a shot at its first win over a top five program in 20 years and just missed out on it. Have a chance to bounce back on Tuesday night. They have another 9 p.m. Eastern time tip off against South Carolina going to Columbia and the Gamecocks are 14 and two this year. So this is a good learning ground, a good chance for Georgia to bounce back and try to take care of business. I could feel another when you said another 9 p.m. Eastern tip off. I could feel it in your soul the way you said it, Jordan. It hurts. It kills me. I'm going to have to drink a lot of caffeine to stay up for that one. Kip, before we get out of here, Monday night, it was reported that the Atlanta Falcons have interviewed Bill Belichick. I just want your quick thoughts before we wrap this up. You know, I've, I've been completely not on board with this from the start, thinking that we're getting the, you know, couple years from retirement version of Bill Belichick, thinking he just wants to get to that, uh, you know, that thousand wins, whatever marker and just call it quits. But, you know, I was looking at, you know, Georgia's, I mean, uh, the Falcons late draft choices, because that's what you do when you're, you're a Falcons fan. You just, you look at the saddest things possible. And uh, I saw that the, uh, the Falcons in the sixth round have the number 199 overall pick. And so, uh, you know, that gave me the, the one sacred timeline where Bill Belichick has the chance to do the funniest thing with the Falcons Take a quarterback in the sixth round. The last time he did that, it worked out pretty well for him. You know, uh, you know, I don't know how long he's going to be able to the ride the coattails of another elite sixth round quarterback with the Falcons. But hey, I'm here for it. Um, you know, if you want to start discussing who we think the Falcons should take at quarterback in the sixth round of this draft, I've got that thread going on the board. Um, maybe Brady Cook. You know that 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 might be a fit. I think he's probably a sixth round pick. He's got a great name for a guy Bill Belichick can coach. I think all all the signs are pointing towards uh, history being made with the Atlanta Falcons. So if it's going to happen, we got to find, you know, we, we have to find the threads like this to kind of hold on to and, and give us the, the smallest amount of hope in, in the most miserable time. So, you know, there it is. There's your connection. So come on, Bill, just come to Atlanta. Or, or go to Dallas Cowboys. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get in your way if Jerry calls. Just go ahead. That's a great fit for you as well. Uh, I, I will not be opposed to that either. So it's really a win-win for the Falcons when you look at it that way. My, my spin zone was going to be that I, you know, I thought it would be the funniest thing ever if Bill Belichick became the all-time winningest NFL coach as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. So that's what my spin zone had been. But I mean, taking you know Tom Brady's air at 199 is a way better spin zone. So I'm so glad you shared that with us. Bring in Brady Cook, give him number 10, and let Brady Cook. That's all I need. That's all I need. Well, we're going to wrap it up right there. I appreciate Kip and Ben for popping on. Thanks to everyone who watched us live. Thanks to everyone who was listening to this after the fact. Keep an eye on dogs247.com as we discuss. There's a lot that we talked about today in today's episode that could change by the time you're listening. So make sure you're on the site and can keep up with everything that's going on. So for Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolf, I am Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody.